Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, the ups and downs and how to navigate life with kids on your own while keeping sane. Covering subjects such as domestic violence through to fussy eaters and solo dating. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week, I have on the podcast a master trainer from Triple P International, who has trained parenting practitioners in Australia, the UK, the US, Canada, Hong Kong, and Singapore. He's a registered psychologist who has been working with children and families as a teacher, guidance counselor, and psychologist for more than 30 years, and is interested in supporting families, particularly those with children on the autistic spectrum. He's completed a PhD at the University of Queensland, examining the effects of preterm parenting intervention on later child behaviour. And outside of his day job, he loves spending time with his own family, watching rugby league um, and rugby union. Crikey, there's a lot of rugby there. And collecting antique clocks. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the podcast. How are you this morning? I'm pretty good in lockdown, but pretty good. Oh, I know. Don't go there. I've just come out. So, yeah, I know. It seems to be our world at the moment, doesn't it, these lockdowns? Mm, uh, mm. Yeah, no, I know. I know. So, hey, um, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's awesome to speak to you. Um, tell us about how you became involved in working with children and families and how, how you've come into this line of work. Well, it's a pretty long 35-year story, Claire, if you can cover that. So I, be- I began my working life as a teacher, so that involved with children and families. And I worked as a guidance officer then for a period of time, and then I eventually became a psychologist, and I've been working as a psychologist for a lot of years as well. And, of course, I've always been interested in children, always been, been interested in, in behaviour. And I worked in a behaviour program called the Management of Young Children Program, which was a clinical program for 18 years. That was for children two and a half to seven who were pretty tricky for their parents. And those parents taught me, and children taught me a huge amount about families and children and 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 what works well and what doesn't work well. So I felt like that was a really good grounding for the sort of um, um, clinic work that I um, have done recently. And now to support practitioners to help parents themselves, which is the work I do now. So it's been a long involvement um, uh, with um, children and families. I've learned a lot. Yeah. But I'm still learning. Every day I learn something about how to go better support um families with um, children yeah well they're an evolving little process aren't they these kids oh, yeah. um they're yeah and and I suppose over uh, you know um society and culture has changed over the 35 years that you've been involved as such and we've now gone from tvs and 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 radios and things like that to being online and ipads and all of that sort of environment so we're dealing with different challenges with our children on a daily basis and God knows what the future will have to come regarding AI and blimmin, you know, mm. virtual realities and things like that. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. So, okay. So you're now dealing with helping people through the triple P. And so tell us more about how you help families or, well, it's not so much families, is it? Because what you do is you train the people who help the families. Yeah. So, yeah. So we train practitioners, like said, parenting practitioners, to support families uh, to be able to go better and enjoy being with their children. 
is, is what we do. So um, the group I work for now, Triple P International, they have the rights to be able to train practitioners practitioners in all the different levels of triple P interventions that come from the University of Queensland. So all, all these programs are from the University of Queensland. And my job is to be able to train practitioners in all the different programs of triple P. Yeah. So, so I may not work directly with families at this stage, although only for the only doing it for the last three years. Prior to that, I was doing this job and still working in a clinic. But at the moment, um, I'm just um, supporting uh, practitioners yeah, stuck at home. <laughs> oh, stuck at home as well. Yeah, yeah, stuck at home supporting practitioners. So, okay, so tell me a little bit more about um, the the Queen, University of Queensland, basically, because all of this training and help is coming out of the University of Queensland. So what's their connection with what you guys actually are doing? Well, I suppose it's been an evolving process for about the last 40 years. A development um, of these programs began with uh, Matt Sanders, who developed his own uh, program um, through his own PhD and it developed from there where now we have um, multiple um, different types of intervention, different levels of intervention as well. So there's five levels of um, parenting support we can offer. Uh, level one being just general information we might about parenting we might provide for parents. Um, and level two might be just for, uh, parents attending a seminar, like a presentation. Level three might be a specific parenting process for um, help parents with a specific problem like bedwetting or, or sharing or, or fighting or um, specific problems. And level four might be a group, much more intensive group interventions and right up to level five, which is much more intensive. So the intensity of the program increases as the levels go up. So it's trying to meet the needs of the parent, whatever the need of the parent might be, they might just need a, a little bit of information. That's okay. They might need more intensive information. So mm -hmm. this model of Triple P allows practitioners to be able to access the level of support that a parent might need at that particular time. And is this available? Is what you guys do, uh, or these practitioners as such, are they? Uh, is is the service that you provide for everyone, for every parent, or um, is it just that it's for particular parents in particular situations as such? For every parent who's interested in accessing the support, wow. Um, wow. yeah. So any parent is able to access, and and there's there's online versions of the program as well that parents can access also. Yeah. Plus they and on. The Triple P website, they can access uh, practitioners as well that perhaps could be in their area offering different uh, Triple P interventions. We can't guarantee there's practitioners in every area, but there's a lot of practitioners. Yeah. In fact, it's right across the world. I mean, you might be interested to know, Claire. Um, uh, Triple P is, is, is in about 29 countries. Um, so it's it's spread far and wide. Yes, no, definitely. Well, it's Triple P International and you've trained people all over the world, which is yeah, which is amazing. So, okay, yes. this podcast is mainly about helping single parents to survive bringing up kids with all of the myriad of different challenges that we have, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which can be from dealing with domestic violence situations to abuse, uh, to alcohol and drug abuse and dealing with partners from there to just basically generally budget uh, constraints or dealing with children going off to school and all the various different things like that. So what do you see in all of the um, information that comes out from the University of Queensland and your experience? What do you see are the biggest challenges for single parents per se uh, regarding bringing up children? 
Well, I suppose my first response would be the fact it's a bigger challenge because when you're doing something by yourself, it's a bigger mm -hmm. challenge. However, it's not necessarily a different challenge because it's about building, building relationships with those little people you have at home. Yeah. So we need to think about what are the things I can do to build relationships with my, with my children, whether I'm by myself or not. However, the fact that I now don't have support or I might even have may not have any outside support, that requires a bigger challenge. But there are certain little things, I think, that can make a difference for us in, in a single parent environment. When I think about even some of the triple P um, uh, strategies, perhaps, that might be used, would you be keen to know about one? Oh, my God, I'd be keen to know about all of them, dude. Um, yeah, um, it's being, a, and I know because I've just come out of lockdown, quarantine, oh. and now I've had a child in gastro as well. So, yeah, I've had everything thrown at me. And so, yeah, and, and, and it is, you are right because it is about the communication and I have to say thank God for technology because while my child is sitting on the toilet screaming and in like, you know, um, like no, he wasn't screaming, but while he was sitting on the toilet, you know, just trying to get through gastro, I could Facebook my mother in the UK to enable him to have somebody to so support him while I was clearing everything up, which not every single parent actually has. But um, yeah, it's yeah. the challenges of trying to deal with stuff at one mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning and um, <laughs> go from there. But um Claire, I was going to let you know about yes, one. Yes, please yeah, one tell idea. me. Please well, tell sometimes me. the families that I work with often who are single parents, for example, they often say well, it is a very busy environment to have three children by yourself, not much support. Mm. But some of the one of the strategies, for example, we talk about in this model of Triple P is about quality time. And, and parents will think to myself, well, I haven't got time. I haven't got 30 minutes to spend with each of my three children. I've got to work. I've, yeah. I've got to organise meals. And I haven't got that time. But in this model, what we try and help parents see is not necessarily larger blocks or larger slabs of time, like 30 minutes or, or 40 minutes or whatever, but to think more about um, the availability of a parent. For example, when Oscar even comes to you and asks you a question, and you respond to that question, you stop what you're doing, respond to your question, that might take 15 seconds or 30 seconds, and then off, off Oscar goes playing again. That sends yeah. a message of availability, and it's that availability that's a really important part of, of building that, that relationship and quality time with the child. So quality time doesn't have mm. to just be large slabs of time. It's about parents, single parents thinking about, okay, that's something I can do. I can actually stop for 15 seconds, respond to my child, and off they go playing again. I'm sure parents listening to this podcast would have all seen children do, do that. For example, if your child comes and asks you this, Mummy, why is the moon round? <laughs> I'm sure it just is, that. okay. No, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, so there's a child approaching you and asking you something. So we could just prompt them and say, well, what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah. What's your idea? And the child says, oh, I don't know. Well, how can we find that out? So that might that might just take a few moments to respond at that particular time. But you're, you're helping the child, first of all, think for themselves a little bit, mm. perhaps. And then you're also giving them quality time, which is just sending the message that you're available. Well, um, I and also in saying, well, what do you think? What's your idea? Why do you think it's round? It's validating them as well. Because I think very yeah. so, you know, also often as a parent, you just go, oh, just, 
you know, uh, I'm busy or whatever uh, because you're doing something and they're asking a question that maybe needs a bit more in-depth discussion. Um, and in just turning around and asking them to give you information validates that. And it's 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 about validating them as a little person as well because uh, yep. they are their own individual and they are going to grow up to be their own person at the end of the day. Yeah. And I, I think also about value adding to that. So as a child comes and approaches us where we give them that 15 or 30 seconds, we can use other things like touch. Mm. Like cuddle, like as they come and talk to us and we touch and we like cuddle them as they tell us something, they we respond to it and then off they go playing again. So we've really value added just that quality time um, that could just be 15 or 30 seconds. So as I think about the families that I work with who are, say, single parents, yeah. I think about yeah. those sorts of strategies that are really doable. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I've found, especially working in lockdown, um, and I've been working full time in lockdown and he's been with me that even just giving him, sometimes it's more beneficial to give him five, 10 minutes because it means I then get half an hour on my own to do some work than to actually fob him off and um, then it's just giving him that small amount of time, which might be 10 minutes, but it means I get a larger amount of time to actually be able to do work um, and go from them. Or, or, or even like he's been, I've put a table in my office. And so he's been in my office while I've been working. He's been doing his schoolwork in my office. So he's not actually in a different room from me. He's in the office doing his schoolwork as long as I'm not on a meeting and he's not like being noisy or he comes in my office and I'll spread Lego out all over the floor and he'll play in the office with me so that he can ask me questions while he's with me so yeah no I completely agree it's um <laughs> lockdown god love it but you know um there are advantages to lockdown as well because it means that I've built a completely different relationship to my son that I would never have built maybe um had yeah. he been at school or daycare all the time okay yeah. so Agree. Communication is like the top thing on the list. So have you got any tips or anything um, for parents regarding managing those time boundaries, managing their, their children as such within that constraint? Yeah, well, well what I come across a lot is because uh, the families that I work with typically, we, even though now I'm working with practitioners, but the families I work with over the years, lots of them come with this sort of belief. The belief is something about its severity of me responding to children that do the job, as opposed to thinking about certainty. For example, I have parents who I do an intake interview with and they've taken everything off their child. Their thinking is that if they're not being cooperative, I'll take this off them, then they'll take that off and they'll take that off them. And I'll have children who yeah. just have nothing left but their bed. And their parents will even take the light bulb out of the socket and take the door off. So the, the thinking is that severity will do the job. But what we know as little people, when we think about this model of triple P, is that it's just certainty. It's little people knowing that if mum, for example, is using something like a consequence or a logical consequence, that the parent removes something um, um, for a brief period of time, not in terms of taking it off the child forever. For, for example, this might be an example, two children playing with an iPad and we've taught, okay. them how to, taught them how to take turns with this iPad. They know how to do the job, but they're fighting over the iPad. So I could give them a direction. I could say to the kids, look, kids, stop fighting over the iPad, please, and take turns. There's the direction. And then I've now got to decide, I'll give them a chance to do it. So I've got to decide how long I'm going to wait. It might be 15 seconds. So they haven't done as they've asked. So now I want to send a message of certainty. So I can say to the kids, look, kids, you haven't done as mum's asked or dad's asked. I'm hanging on to that iPad now for five minutes. So that's a sense of certainty, not severity. I'm not saying this. You're not having that iPad for the rest of your life. 
I'm not saying that. <laughs> sense of Although some of us may wish that. That's right. The sense of certainty is also after the five minutes, I can say, look, kids, the five minutes is up. Here's the iPad back. It's really important that you take turns with it. And now the process still hasn't finished because now mm. I need to be looking for opportunities to encourage them taking turns. So if I stay briefly with them for 30 seconds, I might notice them taking turns and I might use touch or, or encouragement at that stage to really notice that they're taking turns. So when we when we think severity and we say things like, now, give me that iPad, you're not going to play with it now forever, then it's just yeah. it's not a useful understanding and when I think about parents with um, by themselves with their children where there's a lot to do it's busy it's hard work it's very easy to get locked into that sense of severity whereas if we can step back and just think about certainty rather than severity uh, that can be really helpful and all the models of all the um, triple p interventions help parents have to be able to use this idea I think of certainty rather than being mm. severe with children because we never have to be severe with children just certain what, what okay so what is the effect so i'm and i'm sure there's loads of listeners out there ha, that have done it where you go right that's it you're not having tv for the next day or so or that's it no tv for this week or no ipad for this week or whatever what is the effect though on that little person of that severity or, or whatever of um of saying that though Do, is is there, is there research that's been done on that to, well it's, it's about it how the mes- yeah well, it doesn't it it's about how the message is delivered as well. For example, I could deliver that message really angrily. I could say, now, you're not mm. having that TV now for the rest for the rest of the day or whatever it might be. You could yeah. deliver it angry. And nine times out of ten, that's sometimes how it's delivered. <laughs> sure. But if I deliver it in a in a calm way, a sense of certainty, look, kids, you haven't done as I've asked, you haven't turned the TV off, I'm turning it off or whatever it might the consequence might be. So the parent just responds calmly. Then it allows the consequence to do the teaching, not the anger or the lecture the parent wants to give in amongst all that. And, okay. it's, and it's easy for me to sit here and, and talk about that. I know that's a real challenge to do that. But it helps parents develop ideas for how I can deliver the sorts of messages I want to deliver to my, to my children. Um, but to not think about severity, um, even the way we deliver the message can be a severe message but we just don't need yeah. to do that if we have that sense of certainty about us yeah and I know there's a lot of things out there in the media or media or you know there's a lot of courses out there that say oh I used to shout at my kids all the time to get them to do things and and now I you know don't shout at them because I found this process of being able to communicate in a different way and they tend to do that like is that sort of what you're saying is like it's about being firm being calm number one being calm and I know we can't all be that especially when we've had two hours sleep and like you know all the various different things buttons being pushed but yeah so it's yeah I think what it's about is being planful like actually knowing what it is we're going to do in situations Claire like if for example we don't quite know what to do in the situation what tends to happen is we get angry we throw emotion at the situation. Whereas if we were able to sit back and think, okay, this is what my plan, when the two children are fighting over the iPad, this is what my plan is, that I can follow through calmly if I know what my plan is. And I suppose as as we think about what Triple P can do for for families, it allows parents, gives them lots of opportunities and ideas to draw from to allow them to be planful so they can be calmer with their children, so they can build better relationships with them, so they can enjoy being with them, which is a lovely thing to be able to do. Yeah, and I, I have to say, you know, sometimes it is out of desperation that you go down certain avenues because you have tried maybe a few things and they haven't worked and you don't have all those tools in your toolbox as such. So you just resort to you resort to the most um, 
animalistic in a way, like thing of going, right, well, I'm so frustrated. I'm just going to shout because I, I'm, that's my frustration or my anger or my desperation coming out. And really, it's about educating yourself to get more tools in your toolbox to manage the situations. Yeah, that's a really good point, I think, Claire, to make that. Yeah, it is a matter of, of looking at what were all my options in this situation. How can I develop the idea of be able to, what, what strategies rather can I use mm. that allows me to be calm in situations mm. where I'm not just trying to coerce or, or use anger or use lectures or use threats uh, with children as well. There are alternative ways to do it. And that really helps parents to be able to look, to be able to deliver the messages in a, in a calm way way rather than using threats and anger it helps build relationship and that's that's what's triple p is, is about helping parents build relationships with children yeah and i think it's yeah and i look i agree with the building relationships i think it's fantastic because if you build relationships now when they start to get to those teen years those dreaded teen years and i am so i love my son to bits and he has some awesome traits, but I am really dreading his teen years because they might be fantastic and it might be great. But I think those traits, he's going to want to be his own man. And um, yeah, that's where mummy and uh, son may clash, but it's okay. It won't be because I'll get tools in my toolbox and I'll be fine. But um, yeah, no, I. it's about building that relationship so you don't have those clashes. So, okay. And I think we've touched on it slightly with what we're discussing and going over, but what should parents never do? Well, I suppose one thing, as I think about the parents I work with, yeah, what's what's not helpful for parents because it's easy to get caught into this is to use threats with children. Okay. You keep doing that, I'm going to do this. If you keep doing that, I'm going to do this. So children get used to that and they wait for the ultimate threat. When will mummy actually really mean it? When mummy's face My. looks this red and mum's voice gets this loud, oh, that's when mummy really means it. So children learn to wait for the ultimate threat. And, again, it's easy for me to sit here and calmly say, well, not to use threats with children. But yeah. let's, if we think about what Triple P might help parents with is how to give an instruction, how to give a calm instruction, where to stand, where, how to get closer, to help parents think about all the things that could make a difference for them. What's, what does a clear, calm instruction sound like as opposed to a threat? So something that I find a lot of with families is using threats with children. And if threats appear to be successful, because often they appear successful because they, yeah. can, they can have something quite um, um, coercive attached to it. So it looks like it's successful to the parent. But ha however, it has a big impact on relationship building. Mm. So if I think about one thing I think that's useful for families to perhaps try and avoid is this idea of using threats with, with, with uh, young people. Okay. But then, okay, so what do you use? as an alternative to a threat. So, well, yeah, no, go. Yeah, well, if we think about being planful around that, so if, say, with say with the children who are fighting over that iPad we talked about before, mm -hmm. I could say to those kids, if you kids keep fighting, I'm going to take that iPad off you forever. I told you, I warned you, and yeah. I could go away and I come back. I just told you, kids, if you keep that up, you're still fighting, I'm going to take, I'm going to take that off you. And those threats could, could increase the, the emotional heat in the situation. Oh, so definitely. I'm now trying to use threats, whereas if I just said to them, um, a, what we call a stop direction, which has two parts to it. Kids, stop fighting over the iPad, please, and take turns. There's the direction. And yeah. I've delivered it in a reasonably calm way because I've got a plan. Now, the kids haven't paid no attention to me at all, haven't even responded. So I give them a chance to do it. If they haven't done it, kids, you haven't done as I've asked. I'm hanging on to that iPad for five minutes. So I'm responding straight away. Rather than using threats, I'm just using a logical consequence. Okay. Um, but the, the process is involves giving the activity back to the that's what's important and sometimes parents say this to me i forgot i took it off them 
So if we think about the process, it's really important that it does come back because we want our children to be successful with it. We want them to be able to take turns playing on the iPad. So we're setting them up to be able to do that. And I, and I want to be able to encourage them when I do give it back. Um, so I suppose what I'm referring to there is this idea of trying to be planful in these situations yeah. allows me to be calmer, allows me to send the sort of message I want to send that allows me to build relationships. That's a positive relationship with our children. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Oh, I had something go into my brain then and then it's just gone out the other side. It's just lack of sleep, I suppose. Um, let me just think, what was that? You must have uh, a little one. <laughs> yes, at the moment, a little one going on 55, but it's okay. He's he's good <laughs> at this. He's very good at this. So, um, okay. And also, um, and I know we get, and I know as single parents, we get this probably quite a bit um as well um so one parent is the parent so is this the main single parent the children may not see their other their other their father or their mother depending on who they're with and um that child can be very uh, can be very dependent very become very anxious on that one single parent Do, does triple p have any ways to actually deal with child anxiety and separation anxiety and, and anything um, that comes around those sort of things because I know um, with my son and I'm just I'm using myself as the examples all here but um, with my son I know I spent a time in hospital and he was used to having me 100% of the time and because I wasn't with him for a couple of nights the anxiety that that created in, in him if I have to go to the doctors or go to a hospital or anything like that he's concerned that I'm not going to come back and I'm, I've managed that but you know those sort of events cause quite a bit of angst in a child which is understandable you're their main person uh -huh. okay you're uh -huh. their safety person does Triple P have methods and processes that parents can deal with regarding kids not wanting to go to school or all of those sort of things? Yeah, I suppose there's a few responses to that. If parents were to do just a, a triple P program in general, that would help them um, be planful yeah. and, and send clear, calm messages to create predictability in their home. Triple P also has um, like individual programs like Fearless Triple P, which is a program to help parents um, support their children with anxiety. So um, it's it's a bit different from other programs in that it, it supports the parent to be able to support the child. Yeah. Whereas other programs might be programs to where a clinician might support um, the child, for example. So this is supporting the parent. So that's called fearless triple P. But in general, if parents are planful and 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 um, do a regular triple P program, even like triple P online, or there's mm -hmm. even a teen version of triple P online, if they were to do something like that, that could be help help them as well. But but triple P does have individual programs called a program called fearless which is a um, six session program that parents could do individually or in a group uh, setting as well with a practitioner okay that's cool because an online version i'm sorry no 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 carry on no go an online version of that as well of fearless triple p so if a parents were to um, log into the um, triple p website which is uh, www dot triple p dash parenting dot net dot au mm -hmm. if they were to log into that website they will find all the different programs of triple p and they would they would find um how to log into triple p online or, yeah. or fearless triple p so that's worth exploring for parents if they if they want to have any sort of support low level support um, more intensive level support yeah. and i think with triple p aren't there certain states that actually offer because i know like triple p there can be, you know, there's some uh, you have to pay potentially, but um, there are some states that actually offer this 
free, don't they? Yeah, that's true. And when when parents log on to it, will tell them um, whether it's available to them for free. Is when they log on to the yeah. website, it'll, it'll tell them. Yeah, because um, I think Queensland, it's in Queensland, it's free, I believe. Um, but log on to the website, listeners, and find out. Yes. I think in Queensland, it's free, so that's awesome. And I think there may be some benefit within Victoria. However, because I think it's government government supported, isn't it, or something like that. Yeah, and well, or that's council what, supported. I don't know, but it, it's it's something like that. Yeah, there's a few developments happening around that, but yeah. it's probably best if the parents log on to um, the website itself. Yes, and that will tell them what's available for them for free as well. Yeah, yep. yeah. I think we should be lobbying all the premiers to actually be getting this free in all of the states because we need it in all of the states. Like parents need as much blimmin' help as we possibly can get. But yes, no, that's fine. That's okay. So look, um, do you have? I know, I know you train practitioners now, and and you know that's that's an awesome job that you do because these practitioners then go out and change people's lives basically, and and assist and help people in in bringing up rounded more rounded and more whole children and there are various different backgrounds and various different challenges um that we all have whether it's uh, autistic children to just single parents and domestic violence situations and i say domestic violence but there's so many other situations as well and do you have any success stories from any families that have actually gone through the triple p process or that you that you've supported or that you know other practitioners have supported and look we don't need to mention names or anything like that but like any examples well interesting when i think about that there's there's one family that always sits in my mind that i work with this is a family who weren't necessarily from australia they'd come to australia uh, from an, an asian country and they'd separated after they were here and they had one boy and mum had almost mum was sort of a, uh, in an, an adopted environment where she grew up in and mum had this almost no ability to build a relationship with her child and she would screech at him like and he was he was actually quite a cooperative he's quite a big boy but quite a yeah. cooperative boy mum would screech at him with the very in minor things so she, they had this really challenged relationship so the reason it struck me this particular family was i started to go through a triple b program with this family where we introduced lots of relationship building strategies like spending time with children uh, physical affection uh, giving children attention um, quality time um, um, engaging create engaging activities with children so we just started with those relationship building strategies and mum just absolutely absorbed this idea of just relationship building strategies. And mum made this huge turnaround for herself. I, I didn't even get to, and I rarely ever do this, but I didn't even get to the strategies for dealing with difficult behaviour because mum felt she didn't need to. She had made this miraculous change in her yeah. relationship with her son, even though she was now by herself with him, just by thinking about building a different relationship with him, by spending time with him, um, talking to him, uh, physical affection. There was no physical affection prior to this, but it was. A, it sounds strange, but mum hadn't really even thought about this. She was just trying to coerce him the whole time and co to cooperate differently. Yeah. And it made this huge change in her relationship with him. So that always sticks in my mind, this family, because I didn't even get to do the whole program. I just, wow. need, I just focused on these relationship building strategies. That yeah. doesn't happen all the time. I, I should qualify that. But that's something I always remember, a family that um, is quite different, the way mum yeah. absorbed the information. 
Well, it's 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 quite funny because I suppose if you've been brought up in a certain way um, and potentially it could be your culture um, or, you know, it just could be the parenting style that you were brought up in, then that's all you know. You don't know any other yeah. tools in your toolbox as such. I keep mentioning that, but, you know, that you have no other tools in your toolbox to actually be able to pull on. So you just know how you were parented or how you saw people being parenting parenting oh I got that wrong but you know um it's been a long morning already but yeah no it's yeah and Claire one of the features of this model that I really like I even though I've trained in lots of other parenting type programs but what I really like about this model is that it the, it un, it's underpinned by a model of what we call self-regulation. So what we're trying to do with everything we do with families, we want trying to help parents help themselves. So as we filter out information to parents about these ideas, we help them decide what they want to choose to do for themselves. We help them problem solve their own questions. So we have processes that we train practitioners in to do, be able to do that, mm. as opposed to using an expert model where we're just telling parents what to do. So we're not using it, even though it looks like We've got a lot of expertise, expert information. We're providing the information. Then the practitioner's job is to help the parents capture that information, then work out, okay, how is this going to work for me? How will I use that here? How will I do that there? Help parents problem solve their own um, their own problems as well. So parents, the idea of, of a practitioner is to build the parent's capacity to use these ideas and to learn problem-solving skills to build relationship with their children. So that's the biggest challenge on my part as a, as a trainer. That's the biggest challenge for me to teach practitioners how to use this self-regulatory model, which is a key part of all the triple P interventions. Yeah, and look, I, I, I love how you actually use that model though because at the end of the day, practitioners or um, you know a psychologist or whatever if they're actually managing and dealing with the child regarding anxiety or any other issues right that's fine but they get an hour with that child a week potentially maybe even an hour a month okay which is great because it gives the child somebody else to talk through their issues with and all of that stuff but then they go back to their family life which may actually also need to support them and so therefore what you guys do is you actually encourage the parents and give the parents the skills to be able to support and develop their children as well yeah we want to build so, their, um, yeah. yeah we want to build their confidence and their capacity yes. to problem solve because some some parents can go through life with their children and haven't hardly any problems at all but yeah. there are other parents have huge difficulties so we're trying to support those parents to be able to be more successful with their their children. And I keep saying to enjoy them because so many of the families that come along to me, say, in the clinic, when I'm in the, in the clinic, they come along with this, that, that it's almost like a pain in their stomach. It's, it's, it's so difficult for them having a, a, a child they feel like is just so challenging. Yeah. It can be like having an illness almost. That's how challenging it can be for some families. So it's just great to be able to give them the resource to be able to make a difference for themselves with their children, whether they're from a single parent family or um, a dual parent yeah, family. And I understand that frustration because after two weeks in lockdown, nine days in quarantine and um, a night of gastro, I can understand that pain. It's definitely been a painful month for me. And I, you know, and I have a good relationship with my son, but yeah, it's the challenges of all of that. Yeah, definitely. I, I understand their pains and their frustrations. So, um, oh, this is where lack of sleep for me. I had another question for you and it's just gone out of my... Head. Well, there's, there's one thing I, I thought of before that I could perhaps say yeah. as well. 
just okay. for, for parents, uh, your listeners, to be aware of the fact that Triple P also has a family transitions program. It's it's about supporting families who are separated or divorced, and it's not about getting them back together again. It's about it's a it's a program to help parents. Um, um, be the best co-parents they can be. So parents can do it separate. They can do it separate if they, if they want to, or just one parent does it. Whatever. I was, that, well, that was what I was going to ask. Can just one parent do it? Because sometimes bringing two parents to do a to do a um, self-improvement, as for want of a better word, course, whether it's online or with a practitioner or whatever, can be very difficult. But if you're that one parent who wants the best thing for your child and to um, have that trans, you know, try and deal with the co-parenting situation, whatever that may be, I'm just wondering, yeah, if you could do it on your own. But so yeah, you're saying, well, the yes. idea it's designed really to be done on, on your own because, like, sometimes okay. you know, situations where the one partner doesn't even communicate with the other partner yeah. at all. There's just no contact at all. But that one parent can still do it to be to understand. Um, how they can be the best co-parent they possibly can be for themselves. So it's what they can do for themselves, not about getting their relationship back together again. If they do happen to communicate with their partner, they're they're coached and supported with skills to improve that relationship, that co-parenting relationship, even how to deal with conflict, to help them understand their own conflict style and how they might go better when conflict happens, those sorts of skills. So it's not about getting them back together. It's about supporting them personally to be the best co-parent they can they can be yeah and set the boundaries as such within that relationship between the parents not necessarily setting boundaries with your child but setting boundaries with each parent as such and and sort of going from that situation and actually dealing with because I know it can be very challenging I know I'm in that same situation myself although our relationship has improved over the years so um you know it it does get better it definitely gets better but it is about how you deal with that situation and what you actually then emotionally hold on to as well as a co-parent, because sometimes things mm. can be said that you take out of proportion that potentially you've got to just take a deep breath and deal with it as what it is and manage it. Because, you know, it's like the other person mm. within the relationship or the broken relationship has emotions and feelings as well and they're thinking something and have assumptions about certain things as well as you have that so it's about managing that in an adult and mature way and if you're the only one who can do that well then that's fair enough but you need to take ownership of that and manage that in an adult way so yeah. your course actually helps you uh to do that does it, it sort of helps you yeah, take- it's it's just about one parent um, focusing on themselves because we yeah. can't control what that other parent's doing. No, exactly. They can choose to come and do it independently if exactly. they wanted to, but if they don't, it's just about supporting that A parent. It's, it'd be great if two parents did it not together but separately, but typically that doesn't happen. Yeah. Typically a parent a parent does it, um, but it really helps them. For example, one of the tools built into that program might, might be something like um, what we call coping statements or, or so as a parent is uh, going to um, uh, drop their child off to dad or something mm-hmm. like that, and it's mm-hmm. usually a very anxiety-provoking experience. Yeah, it can uh, be. We, we talk about the sort of coping statements the parents could run through their head before they get to the situation. Now they're about to walk the children up to the door. What sort of thoughts can they run through their head as they walk up to the door? Now they're standing there talking to dad and they normally have some sort of maybe some conflict there, what sort of thoughts they could run through their head that's going to help them. And then finally they're back in the car and they're going home, I did it, what sort of thoughts they could run through their Mm. their mind there to say to themselves, you know, I managed it. I managed to stay calm. 
I didn't I didn't um, blame myself in any way. So they can they can make coping statements for themselves. Just as a, a very tiny example of of a part of that um, yeah. program. Yeah. No, and and I agree with you. It is a lot about. It is a lot about the internal conversations that you have with yourself that actually, and that's managing your child as well as your ex-partner, regarding like um, how you actually deal with the situations. I completely agree. It's like it's it's almost about telling yourself a different story. And also the most freeing thing is to actually accept that that's, your child is its own person and your ex-partner is their own person and that you can't deal with and change them as such. You can maybe influence how your child actually deals with and behaves regarding emotions, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, you know, my child came home from his first day at school after quarantine and two weeks of being in lockdown and didn't want to eat dinner because he was so overtired that he had a throw down on the sofa and was kicking everything. So I just left him to it because, you know, you know yeah. I can't change how he, he was so yeah. tired and emotionally drained. So I can't change that, but I can be there to support him and just mm. let him get on with it, which is, and try not to mm. laugh at him because it was the most funniest thing I've ever watched. But, you know. You probably you might have laughed on the inside. I did. did I you? couldn't like. Oh my god! It would have made it so much worse if I, externally I laughed. But yeah, and um, he is such my own child because I could see myself doing that at five. So it's all good. But yes, no, exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Look, um, that's great. That's wonderful that you do that because it is such a difficult phase one for the children, and there are challenges with them not sleeping and dealing with not having a parent there but then also you as a parent have got to cope with that changing situation and it may have been that you weren't I mean I was the person who um, ended the relationship but it might be that you weren't the person who ended the relationship so there's a whole myriad of other different things that um, are going on within you as well because you're grieving the relationship and all of the other different I think it's seven emotions that you go through when a relationship ends as well as trying to keep things normal and, you know, steady and stable for the children that are also going through all of that grieving process as well. It's like it's an extremely stressful environment to um, to be within. So, yeah, no, that's that's brilliant. It's yeah, it's great to have you guys supporting those parents as such. So, OK, you've gone through like the website. You said what the website was and things like that. Do, do you guys do any like. Oh, this is going to sound a bit like AA, but do you guys do any group sessions where parents come together and they can actually join a group session and connect with a practitioner and talk through, like, you know, their issues as a group? Yeah, lots of the programs are. There's living in oh, all okay. sorts of ways. There's lots of group programs, particularly in that level four that higher level, there's, there's group zero to 12, there's group teen programs, there's group programs for children with disabilities. Okay. There's an Indigenous um, uh, version of the group oh, awesome. program as well. So there's a whole variety of group programs. So lots of the programs are... Do you have programs for like um, people who are like refugees or people who have come across and are immigrants as such that come on board? Because Because they are different challenges because you've either come from a country that's like war-torn and you've come from like trauma to a certain extent or you've emigrated to Australia which is awesome and great and I am one of those people I also you know I'm emigrated here and I'm going to stay here and everything's brilliant but 
you don't don't have that support network you don't don't have that village um you don't have your um you know cousins and aunts and uncles and you know you know your brothers and your sisters and your parents and all of those things to actually be able to support you so do you have do you do programs for that sort of area yeah, there may not be specific progress for that group, okay. but as we think about practitioners, as, as they deliver a program, because the practitioners are the expert on their community mm. who they work with. So it's once they understand the process and understand the self-regulatory process, they can then support their parents specifically with, um, for example, helping them. They might extend the program, they might go a lot longer yeah. for, for refugee families. They might slow things down uh, in terms of exp- how they might explain certain strategies. So they then adapt to the communications style of the families they're working with. So it's up to them to perhaps do that because they're the experts on their community oh, okay. that they work with. Okay. But they've also got to understand the programs. They're not, they're not changing the program. They're, just, they're being flexible on just how they deliver yeah. it. That's, and and practice, practitioners report that they do that sort of thing. Which is the advantage of having a practitioner work with a group to actually understand what their requirements are and deliver the tools that enable those people within that group to actually do what they need to do, basically, is what we're saying. Okay. All right, cool. So um, apart from the website, are you guys on Facebook, on all of the normal, typical this day and age social media as such? And can people access those platforms via the website? Um, Oh, that's a good point. Um, are they like little logos that they can? I think they are. Yes, I think they are. Yeah, the the website will. You can even ask questions. So the website. Oh, okay. Will allow um, practitioners to do um, parents to do that as well. Yep. Okay. Cool. 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 And the website address again is www dot triple p. That's just one word. T r i p l e p dash. Yep. Yep. Uh, parenting dot net dot au. Cool. Okay, that's brilliant. I'll put that in the actual um, in the podcast notes anyway, so everyone um, is aware of that. That's okay. So lastly, lastly, I love this question. Uh, ask this to all my interviewees. If you had a superpower, mm. what would it be? What would it be, Michael? If I had a superpower? Mm. Well, I'd like to think I'd be able to um, connect my brain with uh, other people's brains to be able to filter out some of the stuff that parents and children have taught me over the years. If I could somehow have a connection that that could just flow, the things that I've seen and the things that I've learned, that would be a great thing. So as I sit with the parent, rather than me having to go through all those processes that we go through to help support parents, if I could just somehow connect my brain to someone else's brain and all that history could filter in there, I just wonder what that would do. We need a Michael, we need a... We need a Michael Hurd drink. That's what we need. So that all your knowledge can go into a drink, like a milkshake for some example's sake. I don't know why that came into my head. And then we can just drink in all of your knowledge. Happy days. Maybe. I just feel like I've seen so much. And, and it's not so much that yeah. I, I know a lot. It's just that you can't help but when you work for such a long period of time, you can't help but see and learn from parents that you work with. And I don't really see it as me learning so much as my parents teaching me and children teaching me by, by what yeah. I get to see. So that, for me, that's been really valuable. And it'd be nice to be able to have that direct link someone's right we might have that eventually one day to be able to well i was gonna say geez yeah and i don't go there it's a bit frightening really um i 
I, I dealt with virtual reality a couple of weeks ago and that just blew my mind. So, um, yeah, I was like a little bit addicted. So I'm understanding how these kids get addicted to these things because I was like, I need to do this again. Um, But yeah, no, I agree. No, well, you never know. You know, you might be sitting in one chair that's connected to some like thing that goes on your head and then somebody else and then we just convert. Wow. Who knows? Look, do you know what? What is it? What is it they said? I can't remember where the saying comes from. But if you can think it, then you can do it. So yeah. you know, so you know, any idea that you have will eventually come to fruition and be created. So maybe we need to have a little. Maybe we need to send this podcast to Elon Musk or whatever and go, Hey, dude, stop flying to other planets and let's start doing this mental transformation mm, stuff. Yeah. Um, and you'd make. Well, he doesn't need to make millions, but you know. Um, you might help humanity as such. Mind you, that might be taken over for evil as well. I could see it being taken over mm, for evil. Mm, for sure. So, God, yeah, no. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. That's something to think about. Mm. Crikey, I could do a whole podcast on that. Blimey. Okay, brilliant. Look, Michael, thank you. It's awesome speaking to you, and it's great what Triple P does. It's brilliant um, what you guys are doing and what the practitioners out there are doing. Um, any help that parents can get is good help. Um, so, yeah, look, thanks ever so much for everything that you do. Thanks, Claire. Thanks so much for talking to me. I hope there's something we talked about today that might help your families. Yeah, no, fingers crossed, yeah, um, and that everyone go to the website and have a look and see um, – and hey look Queensland you can like utilize this to the max because it's free up there so um yeah no um look brilliant thank you have a good day Michael thanks Claire hey everyone thanks for listening if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts if you'd like to support us further share this episode with your friends and family on all the usual social media platforms that you're normally on And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content that I know you're going to want to hear like this. If you want to check out past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast or for links, resources and show notes, go to our website www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey, and Twitter. Have a wonderful week, and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself, and remember, no one's perfect, and we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin, and you've been listening to the Strong, Single, and Human podcast.